This is Ray. Swapin and I had the privilege of sitting down with Timothy Sean Humans. He's an Episcopal priest and also a chaplain at Cassidy School in Oklahoma City. Had a great conversation with him. It was such a great conversation that it went on for over an hour. And so keeping to the tradition of our podcast, which is a 30 to 40 minute episodes, we split this one into two. And so this is part one of our conversation with uh, Tim Sean, and you'll get to meet him and enjoy his insight and conversation. This first part, we kind of dig into his story and kind of what he's up to nowadays. Uh, fascinating and intriguing. So hope you enjoy. Um, thanks for listening. October, October. No. A white no. male. Well, you try. You try. I don't know. I don't know what the words you, were. You work within the system that you're in. That's right. That's right. And you manipulate that system for good, hopefully. Hopefully. For your own well-being, but then also maybe for <laughs> some good. No, it's a win-win in life, right? It just got really. We started really cynical. That was really. Yeah, it was really bad. Really yeah. dark. Sorry, we can cut that out. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm. A, so usually I don't listen to anything again because I'm just too nervous about myself. You're like an actor who will not watch the movie that they just shot. She's hypercritical. Like she writes me or texts me or calls me the next day or the day after. I need to hear that. Don't publish that. I think it was terrible. Yeah. And I usually am not terrible, but I feel I'm terrible. Yeah. I think a lot of perfectionist thick. My my seriously my anxiety when I saw when I saw this was coming up today. So I'm a morning person. I get up about four, four thirty. And in fact I always said if, if I if I needed to do like creative like workshopping with people, I want to meet at five. Yeah. Which most people would just laugh at me, laugh at me in my up. face. Actually, Ray w- wakes up at four for his sermon every Sunday. I woke up at two thirty today because of my jet lag. <laughs> so we could have done a five a.m. session. Five would have been fine. So we, I think Ray, we need to move our appointment to like five a.m. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we both have kids. We got to get to school, so. So we, our routine is one of uh, every week we drop our kids, so we do the family thing, and then we do the podcast, and many 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 times, there is someone in the room who ditches. Yeah, but how long has it been since I've ditched? Several months. Okay. And he had a really Let's clear that up. Because <laughs> yes, really we started this during a really difficult time of my life. <laughs> yes, I was saying that he had a really good reason. Christy was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, lymphoma in January, yeah. and uh, <laughs> in fact, me 
Christy, Ray and Amaya were supposed to do a podcast on self-compassion mm. and we kind of scra- scrapped it. It was that day. I mean, I think I took her to the hospital that day. We took her to day. the hospital that day. Yeah. We scrapped. We were, we, we were going to meet four of us. Right. And then we then my, my colleague had COVID. So I went to Tulsa to cover her and he took his wife to ER. I just had this, like, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, this is not bug. This is not a stomach bug. Mm-hmm. So the friendship at that point leveled up a lot. Well, here's what happened. So we met in the Rockies and then I texted her and she ghosted me for a while because she's like, I don't need to talk with him. Then she eventually wrote back and then we met and we recorded a podcast. It was beautiful called The Valley of the Flowers. Beautiful podcast. Well, then she was like nervous. Like from then on out, she's like, I'm not sure who's listening to this. I don't know where this is going to go. What have you gotten me into? And so then we had her back on a podcast and we had it with Christy, right? The second time? The second time was suicide prevention. And my grandfather died by suicide when I was 12. So, and he was a physician. So I have felt like uh, one of my connections to him is the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had, I had that as a reason for my second podcast. I was like, no, no, I got to do this. I may not know anything. I may not sound good, but I got to do this. Yeah. So I... And then we did a third one with Ruben again, right? I can't remember what that was about. We did one with Anish. Anish ah, is a that's cardiologist. What it was. That's what it was. So Anish is a friend of mine. He's a cardiologist. And uh, and that's uh, that was our third podcast together. So one was with Ruben, who's a co-pastor. Mm-hmm. One was with Christy, who was his wife. Third one was with Anish. There was four of us, yeah. I think that's the only time we've had, other than you're in my podcast. So that, so I had my own podcast um, that I invited her on to. Well, then in December, I started thinking, I was like, you know, she we, we never have guests on our podcast, especially repeat guests. But swapping that was three times. And I was like, maybe we're supposed to do something different. Yeah. And so my wife's in the hospital. I've got a lot of time. I'm writing. I'm thinking. And I texted her and I said, I think we should do our own podcast, something separate. And uh, she thought I meant like a segment in our current podcast. But I, th- I don't. when did we do our first episode? I don't even know when it was. So I thought he is saying, come once a month to rambling. It's called a rabbit hole ramble. Okay, we sorry. On a ramble. Which is what I was doing earlier. Which is fine. <laughs> which which just, we love. Yeah, which is awesome. So we... So I was like, okay, this is low. I mean, I didn't want to commit myself to something that I was not 100% sure of. So I said, that's fine. And I'm thinking this guy, his wife is in the hospital. He's not left the hospital. He's just some rando that you met in Colorado. He could be crazy. (laughs) Well, at this point, we had been at their house. And we (laughs) had had dinner. I mean, there's things that progressed pretty, pretty rapidly. She, uh, so this, I, in many, in many yeah. ways, this is a very special friendship. It is. It is. Making friends as adults is almost impossible. Agreed. Particularly ones that go from, that aren't just small talk or peripheral. So Agreed. So. And from the very first, actually before we started our podcast, she introduced me to you, at least online. Right. And um, we've been talking about this for over a year. Yeah. Over a year. Year and a half. I don't know how long it's been. I have been but, trying to get yeah. him... But You're a busy, popular man. So yes, he's... you never even introduced our guest, Swapna. Yes, I'm so sorry. 
uh, I don't know how to introduce you right, but uh, today we have Tim Humans, Father Humans. So, so actually, this is very pretentious, okay. um, and I'll, I'll own it. It's, so it's Tim Sean. Tim, my full name is Timothy Sean Humans, and uh, I go by Tim Sean. And there's a story about that that I Tim Sean. Yeah, Tim Sean. Um, so my close friends call me Tim Sean uh, because you know it's a little strange. And then, but if I'm introducing myself to somebody who I don't feel like they're going to really be a friend, I'll just say, "Call me Tim." Interesting. Yeah. All right. So and then there's a there's a medium in between. It's T S. And I always say the way to remember that is it rhymes with BS. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. That was our first throaty. And, and being a preacher, being a pastor, you know, that, that's very, you know, sort of appropriate. To, so, you know, so Tim, Sean, what tell us about what you do? What are your, what's your, what's your vocation? So I am an Episcopal priest, and I I used to be for about twenty years. I was a a, a Baptist youth pastor. Oh, interesting. And I like to say my midlife crisis was uh, migrating over to the Episcopal Church. I was 40 at the time. Man, I'm curious about how that happened. Cause... Well, it cost me about as much as a sports car. I got bet. So, I bet. Because um, I went back to seminary for a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think when I, was, when I was a young man and was at the Baptist Seminary, there was a class I took. This was in New Orleans, uh, the, the Baptist Seminary in New Orleans. Uh-huh. It was a class on the classics of Christian devotion and devotional writings and it was from the early church all the way to the modern age and so it was studying a lot of the mystics mm-hmm. a lot of catholic writers in those first you know 1000 years and so that's when it sort of piqued my interest in in catholic christianity and so even when i was a baptist youth pastor i would uh sometimes like take off and and go and visit a monastery and uh and so that was, that was me dipping my toe into Catholic forms of Christian. Was that here in Oklahoma or was that somewhere else? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it started in Oklahoma. In fact, there was a time when I, I would actually take uh, graduating seniors in my youth group. I wanted those who were interested to go do like a three-day silent retreat. Where would you do that? The, one of the coolest places in the world. It's um, it's a monast- Catholic monastery called Christ of the Desert, and it's in Abiquiu, New Mexico, uh-huh. which is about an hour north of Santa Fe, and then forty five minutes off the road. And uh, and I I managed to convince a, few, a small handfuls of these uh, these high school seniors uh, to go and do a silent retreat. I think I might want to do that. I thought about offering it here at the school. Um, so for those listening, I, I'm an Episcopal priest, but my primary like place of work is I'm a school chap. I'm an Episcopal school chaplain. Okay. What does that What does that work entail? Um, as far as being a chaplain at a school, what does that look like? Yeah, so I get to do um, a lot of a variety of things. I I, I teach uh, a, a a Bible survey. So we read most of the Bible, not word for word, but we, we track it, the whole entire Bible. As I like to say, I tell the kids, we sort of do a flyover, yeah. and then we land the plane a lot and get out and look around at certain stories. And I do that with uh, 10-year-olds to 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds. Um, and I love that. I actually love that you 
that my children who go to the same school get to do that i think they may not appreciate it right now but they are getting a much richer much richer i don't know what the word is i'm looking for much richer experience because i'm a hindu and i'm not a practicing i mean the boys i have really enjoyed just being part of uh, being immersed in this this whatever form of christianity i i i see because i enjoyed i come to the chapel and i sing with as much if not more enthusiasm than my children and they are giving me the eye roll as like oh my god this over enthusiastic mother of ours god save us <laughs> but i do that for whatever i do like i i do that at home with um, with uh, my rituals and uh, i don't do a whole lot but whatever i do i do it with the deep commitment and passion and um, yeah. and the boys in my in my in my house they are like oh gosh we we kind of have to go along with her <laughs> but i have really felt lucky that my children go to a school where they get to see see this so there's so when i first came here this was 10 years ago I was tasked with creating a curriculum for junior high kids, pre pre junior high and junior high kids to read the Bible. Well, I don't know if you guys have read the Bible. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just not a it's a PG-13 at best. Depends on the sections, yeah. Depends on the sections. <laughs> it's a re, it's a very adult book and what t- what we tend to do in the in the Christian tradition is to take stories and we curate them. Yep. We sort of clean them up. Or don't tell the whole story. You know, you cut off the bad parts. Yeah, like, that's what you mean by curious. Sometimes you change the meaning of the like story. Jonah, for example. Nobody reads chapter four. You know, we stop at chapter three and finish. What a crazy, <laughs> interesting story! I love the book of yeah. Jonah. Yeah, me too. Um, and so we we tell these. So I was tasked with creating this class, and it, um, and what I had to do is I had to figure out the why. Um, and that's part of my, my personality. I, it's hard for me to do something unless I think it actually has a meaning or purpose. And sometimes that's a crutch. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had to figure out what's my answer to these children and their parents for why they have to take this class. Mm-hmm. And some, there's some stories that it's, real, it's easier to answer that question and some that are harder. Um, what are some that you would like that are harder? So if there's easy and hard, what 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 would be hard? Well, and then part of the challenge at a place like this in, in Oklahoma City is our families who come to an Episcopal school. I mean, the the main reason people bring their kids here is because it's going to give them the greatest chance to get into a college yeah. that they really want to be at. Yeah. It's a college preparatory school. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I'm not saying families don't like the religious component. Mm-hmm. To be honest. When I first started and my kids started in pre-K, yeah. I was like checking out the other two schools that did not have this component because I am like, I'm in not a dominant culture. Like in India growing up, I did not have to go to the temple to know what being a Hindu meant. Right. And it was a really unique. So for me, being a Hindu is just something I breathed in air. 
as growing up in India. But when I came to US, I had to be a little bit more intentional about about raising my children, not in Hinduism, but just uh, having an ethnic identity, which religion is part of one part of the ethnic identity. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to like really look around and I that lasted for a month and that was like 10 years ago. Well, you've ever heard that phrase, ask a fish, what's it like swimming in water? And the fish goes, what water? Right. <laughs> right. You're saying when you were in, in India, to be Hindu was like a fish swimming in water. Yes. It was just part of the, you know, just the ambient That is beautiful. Culture. I love the analogy. I think Oklahoma can be that way with Christianity too. Agreed. Maybe to a different, to a different degree. Well, and I, I, I think all of it comes down to a brainwashing element, and that's in India, Costa Rica, Oklahoma, is that we want our kids to be brainwashed because that makes them better citizens. And I think, it, I mean, we could, don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but brainwashing is what we're doing because we're trying to form them to be something that we expect. So when the parent says, oh, I just want them to figure it out, that's probably not accurate. We're all trying to figure out and get them in a place to where they'll be the citizens we expect them to be. And uh, I've met uh, doctors, surgeons, oncologists that their kids go here and they don't have a spiritual bone in their bodies. But because they're trying to form their kids to be in the best schools, they'll put up with this element. And, I, and I, that's not a knock on them. I think, I mean, Providence that <laughs> brought them to this, you know. But, but I think there is a brainwashing element. I think in Costa Rica, the culture is very... It's a very peace-loving country. There's no military. Education's really high, 98% literacy rate, really high in the world. But there's a brainwashing element because they have no military and people don't have any clue. Is it predominantly why. Catholic? It's a very, it's a, used to be. It's it's way less now yeah. because of modern modernity. But yes, it, it predominantly was a, a Roman Catholic country. Well, cell phones and computers are, are oh, yeah. changing everything. Right. Well, uh, when, the, when you go downtown and there's a beggar on the street and he has a cell phone, a smartphone, you're like, okay, this is a different country now. Yeah. And that's because it's cheap. So, yeah. But yeah, I think all of us, especially in Oklahoma, I, I'm not from here. I, I moved here. And it's a, it's a starkly different culture in America, even just the Christian, quote unquote. I don't right. know how Christian it really is, but um, the, the culture. But that was the shock for me because when I first started, I realized that, you know, this isn't like some other private schools that I won't name <laughs> where families sign up, basically sign saying mm -hmm. we, you know, there's a practicing Christian in the home, right. one of the parents. And there's sort of an expectation that we're all on the same page. Um, and we do that here at, at the school sometimes. We uh, I've called it acting as if mm. we're all Christians. Mm. Um, but I, I learned, I, I figured out quickly that a lot of these kids, that they, they were all over the map, Christian families of every flavor, Catholic, Protestant, conservative, liberal, um, you know, you name it, um, lots of, of really large Hindu. We have population. a huge Hindu. We have a 10% Indian population. Interesting. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think it's, uh, to be honest, um, Come, we feel, I mean, not I, but many parents sometimes feel that they want to like hold on to the religion that they grew up in because it feels threatening to be in a non, 
like it's like my water was blue at home and now it's yellow uh, so I, I want to I want to preserve some of my blue because I love my blue yeah. and yellow is good because I've chosen to live in the yellow waters <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah, it's <good>. but uh, <laughs> but I, how do I hold on to my a little bit blue I don't want my child to be all yellow yeah. I want them to be at least have the blue dots here and there <laughs> I watch the kids struggle with that I, I know, really I know. Yeah. I think the it's not the child's struggle, it's the parent's struggle. Well, I think sometimes the kids feel like if I pretend to be Christian, that, you know, Father Humans is going to, like, I'm going to be more, uh, like, warmer to them. or That's kissing um, up to the teacher. Absolutely. That's like, it's a skill set. The, 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 it's a skill the, set. Like, the basic thing. To... Teacher's pet gets better grades. You've got to be that. Yeah. It's like 101. <laughs> School 101. <laughs> I was not that way. <laughs> I was that way. I know, I could tell. What? <laughs> I was like the first, like, okay, yes, yes, yes. So I tell the kids that. I tell them, and my son who graduated here, he's he's 21 now. I'd always say, you've got to learn to just chat mm -hmm. with your teachers. Ask them how their night was or their weekend. And he's like, ah, oh, I don't want to. It is true um, that students who um, chat up you as a teacher but especially the students who pretend to be interested in what you teach <laughs> wow. yeah. they Skill are set. in I, I hope yeah. someone somewhere is taking notes on how to be successful in father yeah. humans class <laughs> The problem is when they're sitting at church and they're pretending to like what you're saying. That's a lot. That's a little more complicated. Yeah. But isn't that isn't that starting early on? Like you start acquire this beautiful skill set in school, and then you pretend something you're not all your life because. I think you're going too deep now, Swapna. That's too deep. Well, so the, <laughs> it's true though. But there's true. a dynamic here that I have, I have found fascinating is that developmentally, because um, I work with mostly, uh, you know, fifth grade through twelfth grade. Uh, I mean, I, I work with the younger grades, um, but to watch, one of the things that's definitely taught here is compliance. Mm. Like mm. if you, if you want your kids to learn how to follow the rules, this place will help them do that. Wow. Um, I mean, there will be kids who will kick against the goads as the, as the scriptures say, but um, if you want to be successful here, you sort of figure out, I've got to limit how much I push. But then I watch the kids um, as they get into high school, they're looking for places that it's safe to uh, differentiate, yeah. to push against, you know, the, the culture of the, of the place. Mm. And uh, high school chapel is one of them. Um, you know, they, they, again, they're just, they're a tough sell. They get, and I can see that early skepticism kicking in. And I like, I like the challenge of it most days. I mean, there'd be it'd be nice. Well, I mean, how, so how do you how do you write a curriculum that's so widespread with, like you said, the variety of of Christianity or the the different aspects of it, but then also maybe some that are just not in Christianity. So how how do you write a, a curriculum that anybody would even pay attention to? So uh, this is where the Jews have helped us. Okay. The Jews. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the oh Jewish. my gosh. <laughs> That did not come out politically right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, this is not Dave Chappelle. Uh, right, uh, right, right. <laughs> or Kanye. Um, no, the Jewish tradition has built in 
that the practice of arguing is sacred. Uh, that it's that's the way you get at truth and meaning. Yeah. And they've given it a name. They call it midrash. It's part of their Talmud. What do you? How do you spell it? It's M I D R A S H in in an English transliteration. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, and so in our classroom, we've got this big, huge table that all the kids sit around, and in the middle of the table is a big sign that says midrash in mm. in Hebrew, and we try to say to them, look, you're going to be bringing a lot of different feelings and and reactions and thoughts about these stories. And about your ideas about God and spirituality and religion, you know, whatever language you give it, you're going to bring that to the table. Um, so, but, so the tradition of Midrash is they would actually take a story and they would put it in the middle of a piece of blank paper. Like, here's the story. Um, whether it was like the, from the Ramayana, you could do it, you know, same thing with Hindu stories. Right. Here it is. And then Ramayan. I said it wrong. You did, but you're not expected to say it right. Thank you. But I'm expected to correct it. Ramayana? Ramayan. Ramayan. I'm going to write it so yeah. that you can read it because... I can never say it. No, you it can. It took me like two months to say her name, so that's my problem. No, you and did not. I forget the language. That's what's crazy. You think I get it, but I don't. So but you put this story... Say it. Ramayan. 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 Yeah. Ramayan. Okay. Ramayan. Most of our words are phonetic, so if you can read it, you can say it. Right. So you put the story in the middle of a piece of paper, and then you have this really lively, what I tell the kids, I call it a, a friendly, respectful argument. Hmm. Um, and you would literally write the different opinions in the margin. Uh, the poet, American poet Billy Collins has this amazing poetry, a poem called Marginalia. Um, hmm. And... But and so there's actually if you if you Google image midrash one of the pictures that comes up is one of these pages, mm -hmm. and so I tell the kids you know we're putting the stories in the middle of this table, and you are the mar you're the marginalia, like you're the different ideas and thoughts and reactions to this story, um, and they pretty much buy in. What I've said to them is you can even take this to a non-religious place. I said. A lot of you do midrash every day, and you don't even know you're doing it. Like, so let's say something happens to you, and you go to your friends and go, oh, you guys are not going to believe what happened to me. And you tell them the story, and then what do your friends do? And like, they, they give their opinions, like their interpretations of what happened. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. They'll even, even in your junior high way, they'll give you like their version of what it means. Well, when Tommy did that thing, I think it means that he likes you, or you know, whatever. Or, or when, when, when truth is personal. When Shirley said that thing, I think it means she hates you, you know. Or, and they they do that work of trying to interpret therapy. It's midrash. It is. I, I you know, as you're talking, I just uh, had a session today, and this is a patient who's done stunning. I've seen him for maybe 12 years now and he um, he wants to be a psychiatrist because he feels like I've helped him. Uh, I've helped him a lot. And he had some early ch uh, difficulties, adopted, teenage pregnancy, but really amazing parents and amazing grandparents. So he is a uh, practicing Christian and he's worried about me. He feels like I'm not going to, unless I convert, 
I am not going to be in heaven and he wants me in heaven with him. So, and uh, I was just talking to him today. He's 17. And at 10 or 11, I had this conversation with him and he was like, I'm worried about you. What are you going to do? So uh, we've talked about religion a little bit. We, that's not been part of our therapy, but we have talked about it in his... Did you say to him, look, you're paying. Do you want to share with me what you know? Like, did he give you the... <laughs> he did. We actually had a beautiful back and forth today. So I said I'm a Hindu and I was born a Hindu and I kind of believe in that. So he's, he's like, I'm praying that you convert sometime. And I said, maybe I have a few more years to live. So, I, you know, there is always hope. So he's like, yeah, there is always hope because I don't believe in what you believe in. And for you and I want I want to wish you well and I want to see you in heaven. And for him, it was really important. And it was interesting and very sweet because clearly he loves the idea of me having a good outcome. And for him, the good outcome means that I first uh, believe, I become a believer and then I I, I go to the right right place. Well, it becomes a tension here. It swells up every once in a while as a tension here that there are families and if I were honest it's a tension in me sometimes too we we sort of intentionally don't try to convert our non-christian families because you know it's sort of a it's we sort of have an unspoken covenant we know you're coming here your kids have to go to daily christian chapel and uh they have to swim in the yellow water. They have to swim in the yellow water. <laughs> and we are the blue, blue water people. So uh, I don't know what my, I think my children are a hybrid. They, they are, they are, they, they, they feel like they are in no color water. They're like, well, no. they're learning the language of the yellow water. They know the la ye yellow language. They know the blue language, but they're like, we are neither yellow nor blue, or we are whatever is the most convenient for me to get to my whatever. If, what do they call that third culture? Third culture kids. Yeah, we yes. talk about that. Yes, yeah, so so if are if, you a, are you a missionary mm -hmm, kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Costa Rica. Yeah, lived there thirty years. I mean, so most of my mm -hmm. life I lived there. Third culture is different, and it's a lonely place. Our head of Swatna school is almost third culture, almost, but her kids are definitely third culture. Yeah, our head of school grew up in Brazil. Okay, yeah. And, uh, oh really? Yeah. Well, that was part one, and I don't know about you, but it went by quickly for me. Um, join us next week for part two with Father Tim Humans. Um, the song you heard at the beginning is a song Tim wrote, and um, he has a band. And we'll put the information in the show notes next episode. Uh, he'll sing most of the song at the end of next episode, and we'll definitely have him back on so we can learn more about his story. So. Thank you for listening and join us next week for Dreams and Hope. This is Ray and Swapna. Thank you.